The following audio is from Maranatha Chapel, located in San Diego, California. For more information about Maranatha Chapel, please visit www.maranathachapel.org. If you have a Bible, open it to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 26. And we want to look at, I want to go back and spend just a few moments beginning with uh, the verses that talk about Mary, who came to Jesus and anointed Jesus with this very expensive alabaster vase that she broke. We talked about how it was worth a year's salary. And she came in with Jesus and the disciples, broke the thin little neck of the bottle and poured all of that oil from his head over his entire body and then washed his feet uh, with her tears and, and with her hair. And so we read in uh, beginning in verse 10, it says, but when Jesus was aware of it, he said to them, uh, why do you trouble this woman? Because the disciples came and they said, why this waste? Why are you wasting all of this precious uh, fragrant oil upon Jesus' feet? It could have been sold and been given to a lot of people that are poor. But Jesus says, what are you doing bothering this woman? What she has done is a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always, but me you do not have always. For in pouring this fragrant oil on my body, she did it for my burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. So the first thing that I want to notice in, in this story again is the fragrant oil poured out upon Jesus would have lasted for days. When we saw last week, we began in Matthew 26. At this point, it says that there were two days until Passover. Now, I want you to realize that when this woman took, you know, this alabaster vase and she broke its neck and, and literally because it was worth a year's salary, it was a very... Uh, tr great treasure within a home. You, you would be very, you know, um, uh, sparing as you dip it out a little bit at a time. Uh, it could last for years. But when she breaks it and she pours it all out upon him, and they said, wow, that, that's a waste. What are you doing? And, and how that fragrance must have filled the house. But from Jesus' head down to his feet, Mary was at his feet, loving him, worshiping him. And so think about this. He was drenched in this oil that must have just filled and overflowed and permeated that house. But I'll bet that Jesus still had that fragrance on him. Literally, several days later, two days later, Passover would come. And then Jesus said, wow, you have, she has come to anoint me for my burial. I, I believe that even as Jesus was brought before the trial, and before the high priest, and then as he was beaten, and as he was taken even by the Romans, wherever Jesus went, all the way to and upon the cross, there was that remnant of the fragrance of this beautiful, powerful oil that had been poured on him and upon his whole body. Uh, so where we are right now, uh, in this unique moment of time, and what I am believing that the Lord was sharing with my heart, is that there would come now, as, as you guys are here tonight, some of our staff and, and kids, um, and uh, some of my own grandkids that are here tonight, uh, and then you're in your home, 
as you study the word, as you worship the Lord, I pray that your home will be filled with the fragrance of the Holy Spirit, filled with the fragrance of the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace. And I I want to echo and agree with what Sean was saying uh, as he shared some of the encouragements that, you know, I think it was a little over a year ago that the Lord called me to, uh, you know, there was a guy in our church and he said, look, I'm on the Jesus film. And, um, you know, there's this thing where there's these rich Christian businessmen that said, we will provide the DVDs of the Jesus film and and a couple of other uh, movies that were on there, one for women, one for kids. They said, we'll buy them if the churches will distribute them to the homes in San Diego. So I called uh, a friend of mine, Pastor Miles McPherson uh, from The Rock, and he and I got together. Then we invited all, as many pastors as we could gather. We had an initial meeting of over 250 pastors that came together from all over San Diego County. And we were able to just say, hey, look, uh, there's these businessmen who love the Lord, who have given the money, and they will give a DVD for every home. So every church could adopt a zip code. And then they could go out and deliver to literally all of their neighbors in the zip code, an invitation to their church, a copy of the Jesus film. And it literally filled and permeated, you know, reaching 1.2 million homes, some 3 million people with the gospel. Well, now I think the Lord is giving us another unique opportunity, and, and that is, you know, we're to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then secondly, the second great commandment is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Vicki and I live in Escondido, and I've got on, on one side, right next to us, is a house where my dad lives, and so we look after dad and watch after him. He's doing great, and he feels great, and he still comes and drives to church, and he's doing very well. Uh, But we have on the other side an elderly uh, widow, and um, so I just went over today. It was raining this morning, and I walked over. I knocked on her door, and she opened the door and had kind of a dark screen, and she goes, oh, who is that? She was kind of scared. I said, I'm your neighbor. She goes, is that Ray? And I said, yes. She knew my name, and she swung the door open. Come on in. Sit down with me, which I wasn't planning on doing. But anyway, I ended up going in, and and she had the TV on, but there was no sound, and some crazy program was on. I just asked her, so how how are you? Dorothy was her name, and and how's it going? And I realize it's kind of a crazy time, and she has a daughter and a son, but they don't live immediately in the area, so... I said, hey, Dorothy, you know, do you need, if you ever need me, you know, here's our name, Ray and Vicky. Here's my cell phone number, day or night, you can call me. And if you need us to go to the store, if you have an emergency, if there's anything that you need, I just want you to know we're here for you. And she got these big eyes and she goes, oh my goodness, do you know how much that means to me? She goes, I have the neighbors over there. And they told me, you know, because they're believers, uh, our neighbors directly down the other way, and they believe in the Lord, and they had offered their services to her. Here we were coming, and it just was so cool. And she goes, you know, I have that TV on, she goes, but that program, there's nothing on that's any good. It's all dumb, but I'd like to keep it on without sound because it's a nice distraction. And uh, I said, well, yeah, you know, that's okay. And she goes, and I've been watching the news, but they just keep saying bad things. And over and over, you know, I said, okay, well, if you ever need us, we're here, and we love you. I want to encourage, you know, all of you, uh, go to your neighbors sometime, you know, this week, knock on their door, uh, invite 
you know, yourself to, to be with them and to love them and to bless them and encourage them in any way. Uh, that the Lord may use us in a mighty way. Mary's name, as we think of Mary with this fragrance of Christ, uh, her name is a sweet name now in memory for 2,000 years because of her adoration, her extravagant love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, the other character that we're going to read about in a moment in this story is Judas Iscariot. And his name is not a good name. I mean, nobody these days names their kid Judas Iscariot, right? Um, you know, you, we have Marys and we have Johns and we have Matthews and you never have somebody coming, this is our little son, Judas Iscariot. You know, they never do that. So, but Mary's name is sweet and it's beautiful and it's fragrant. Um, and, you know, we, we have to step out and do things that we maybe have never done before. In the early part of our country's history, uh, there was a preacher named George Whitfield. And he had this burning passion in his heart. And some of the churches would not let him come into the church. <laughs> So he went out into the open fields and into parks and started preaching the gospel. And there were, there were people that started mocking him and rebuking him and saying, you can't preach outdoors. It has to be in a church. It has to be with a church steeple and a bell. It has to have pews. Uh, you know, it, it doesn't count if you just go out into the open air. I don't know where they got that idea, but that's what they had. So he starts going out, kind of like a John the Baptist, and preaching with fire, and all of the people from different backgrounds, different denominations, started coming out, and it lit a fire of revival that was called the Great Awakening. So here we are in a very, you know, new situation where the Lord is saying, wow, you can't go to church or any place that's larger than 250. And I've just mentioned how places, religious places around the world are kind of not available. So we're in our homes. I believe that God can use this, that we can use our homes to make it a church, make it a fellowship, make it a place where the Lord is honored, where you are a light to your neighbors and that you give them the love of Jesus Christ and the gospel. And you pray for them, whatever they need, that you help them out. Amen? So um, I, I think it's interesting too, now that we're online do you know, we get to experience, this is how they do church in China. They're on, you know, I mean, they, they literally meet in houses and in homes. In Iran, guess what? This is how they do church. They meet in homes. So now, here we are. I mean, I want you to just take for, and think for just a moment. How many people are not able to go to their church? Because we're not alone. Maranatha Chapel not having a, a service within our building. I mean, The Rock, uh, Miles McPherson, they did the same thing. Uh, North Coast, they did the same thing. Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, they did the same thing. Some of the local and large churches that are here uh, from different denominations, Emmanuel Faith uh, also did the same thing. So there are people meeting, literally think of it, this weekend, uh, from this service and all this weekend in homes, all across the United States and, and probably in other countries as well, around the world, they're meeting in homes. This is where literally the church began in the book of Acts. You know how we always say, Lord, bring us back to the days of the book of Acts. Well, there were no church buildings. I think Daniel said that right at the beginning of the service. They didn't have any church buildings. They met in homes. They met from house to house. 
So we've been, you know, praying and preaching and, exhort, you know, giving exhortation. Let's, we, we want to be like the book of Acts. Well, welcome to the book of Acts. Here we are. We're getting to live it. And literally from house to house, we get to serve the Lord, worship the Lord, love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbor as ourselves. Well, let's look at the next part of this story uh, in verses 14 through 16. So the, after, again, Mary just, she was a fragrance of worship and a fragrance of extravagant love for Jesus. And I, I'm just praying that that's what will be and who will be in our homes and in our neighborhoods and in our community, that every home would have that overflowing, powerful, anointed fragrance of the love of Jesus Christ that touches our neighbors in a new way. But then in verse 14, it says, And then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, uh, went to the chief priests and said, uh, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him, Jesus, to you? And they counted out to him 30 pieces of silver. And so from that time, he sought opportunity to betray Jesus. Um, you know, when I think about this, and here's the PowerPoint that I have, Judas may have betrayed Jesus because he, Jesus, did not do things the way Judas wanted him to. It's also interesting to me that Matthew, after he gives this account of Mary, the extravagant oil and perfume that she washed and worshiped Jesus with, and the very next story is about Judas, that there was something about that act of open, unapologetic, unashamed, overflowing, extravagant love and worship of Jesus, and, and Judas somehow took offense to it or was insulted by it and determined immediately after that event to betray Jesus to the leaders who wanted to kill him. It's almost like Judas could not breathe in the atmosphere of worship and praise because that's where the love of God, the supernatural glory of God, the light of God shines and the light drives the darkness out. Can I hear an amen on that? So why did Judas do this? We, we're not told explicitly, but perhaps he was watching this ongoing feud between the religious leaders... Uh, and Jesus, and thus he concluded wrongly that Jesus was losing the battle. And in his mind, he wanted to be with who he thought is going to win at the end of the day. Perhaps Judas had come up with the conclusion, again, wrongly, that Jesus was not actually the Messiah, or he was not a true prophet, just like Saul of Tarsus had thought and believed at one time although he would be very, very wrong. You know, the only motive we know of that is given about how and why Judas betrayed Jesus is one of greed. He said, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? And they said, we'll give you 30 pieces of silver. That's a very uh, low number to begin with, but, but it has specific meaning in the Old Testament uh, in the scriptures and in uh, the law, and as God had revealed himself in and through to Moses, the price of a slave was 30 pieces of silver. That's how they valued Jesus. The, the common price 
of a slave or of a servant, just 30 pieces of silver. And for that small amount, Judas is willing to betray Jesus. I don't think that we can appreciate or understand how much that must have hurt Jesus, that one of his disciples who'd been with him for three and a half years, who, and, and Jesus had beloved and, and had befriended and had reached out to Judas time after time after time. And one, on this very night, he was to say, one of you will betray me. And each one of the disciples said, Lord, is it I? Lord, is it I? Nobody said, well, obviously it's going to be Judas. They didn't know who it would be. Even Judas said, Lord, is it I? And Jesus said, it is as you have said. Maybe Judas did this because Jesus did not meet his expectations. Um, Jesus didn't use his power, his glory, his miraculous abilities in the way that Judas thought he should to take down the leadership and the Romans and the soldiers. And he, he, so it wasn't happening the way he thought it should. I want to give a very strong warning. Be careful that you do not betray Jesus because he has not done things the way you thought he should have done them. That in your life, you feel like, wow, God's all powerful and he's all loving. And then he's doing this, he's doing that, or he's allowed this or that. And you judge him and leave him out of your life. That's the path of Judas Iscariot. Be warned. Don't follow his path. Follow the path of Mary, love, worship, trust, anointing, following after him with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Amen? Amen. All right, well, let's wrap this up as we go now to verses 17 through 25. Uh, given one last opportunity to repent. And, I, and here really is the story of Jesus' love as he reaches out to this bad character we all know of. Judas, bad, you know, get him. But Jesus reaches out to him and gives him one more chance to repent. Now, on the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying to him, where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he said, go into the city and to a certain man and say to him, the teacher says, my time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and they prepared the Passover. And when evening had come, he sat down with the 12. And as they were eating, he said, assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were exceedingly sorrowful, and each of them began to say to him, Lord, is it I? And he answered and said to them, He who dipped his hand with me in the dish will betray me. The Son of Man indeed goes, just as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. And then Judas who was betraying him, answered and said, Rabbi, is it I? And Jesus said to him, you have said it. Jesus says to the disciples, one of you will betray me. And I, I think, you know, the, 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 the grief of this, you, you have to understand Jesus loved all of the disciples. And even though he knew that Judas was the one that would betray him, Jesus 
loved him. It wasn't like he went, oh, I know what you're going to do, and I'm going to not like you, and treated him wrongly or badly. Jesus, for three years plus, loved Judas. And in fact, in this meal, the Passover meal, the place where, I don't know if you know this or not, but in the Passover meal, uh, as they were kind of reclining at a table and leaning on one of their elbows around in a, in a fashion, they weren't sitting up in chairs, you know, like the famous paintings, but they would kind of lean. And so there would be another guy that would be here and another guy that would be on the other side of you. On one side of Jesus for the Passover meal was John, who rested his uh, head right here next to Jesus. But then right next at the place of honor on the other side of Jesus was Judas Iscariot. It was a place of honor. He was being honored by Jesus. And then when the main host, which is Jesus, takes the bread, dips it, and hands it uh, over to Judas, he is offering his love and his friendship. And I believe that when, he, when Judas asked him, Lord, is it I? And Jesus said, you have said it. Jesus did not say this to condemn Judas, but rather to call him to repentance. Judas, you have said it. Don't do it. But Judas went ahead and did it. It was still an offer of love. So here we have this stark contrast between Mary, who followed Jesus. The three times we follow Mary in the story with Jesus, she's always at the feet of Jesus, worshiping Jesus, loving Jesus, following Jesus, uh, just loving him profusely, overflowing. That fragrant oil is a symbol of her heart. Contrast that with the story of Judas. This was a moment in time, and I really believe we're in a very uh, special moment in time right now for the world. God knows what's going on right now. God sees this weekend nobody going to buildings or to houses of worship and prayer. For the Father is seeing from heaven, everybody huddled in their homes. And this is an opportunity. He is reaching out to us. He is calling to us. He is giving our whole planet, I believe, an opportunity to repent, to say, Lord, there's many things we are doing in rebellion against you. We need to call upon the name of the Lord, ask forgiveness for the things that we have not been doing right. There's many things going on right now in the world and the direction we're heading toward judgment. We're heading toward God having to divinely intervene. Uh, The wickedness of man is literally about ready to tear apart this world. And we're seeing it politically, economically, the divisiveness, the division, the hatred, uh, all of the things that are going on uh, that go to the core of of how God made us in his image and after his likeness. I believe that we're being given an opportunity to repent and to call upon the name of the Lord. I want you to look at this uh, next one real quick. The Lord's Supper reminds us to look ahead for Christ's return. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 11, verse 26 says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. He's making his way to Passover, and on the one hand, Passover looked back. It, it looked back to the Passover lambs. 
Uh, and, but Jesus also says, but now that I have come as the Lamb of God to take away your sins, it looks forward, and it literally is pointing to the return of Jesus Christ. We're at a very, uh, you know, critical moment and time in the history of this nation. Our president has declared this weekend a national day of prayer right after he made the announcement declaring a national emergency because of this coronavirus. And, you know, I was just thinking about this and saying, Lord, I want myself, I want my family, I want my children, I want my grandchildren, I want my church at Maranatha, I want your church, the the broader uh, part of the bride of Christ in this generation, to love you, worship you, live for you, be an example for you as never before. And, I, and I'm praying that there's so many who are lost, so many who are empty, so many who are not walking with the Lord that don't know him. And we need a, we need a revival. Amen. We need an, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, I, I think about our church, how, you know, the Lord, you know, every year at the end of the year, I'm praying, okay, Lord, what's coming? It's 2020. And I've you know, my initial thoughts, like many people had talked about, 2020, you know, giving us good vision. And I believe that that's certainly part of it, that the year 2020 is about having 2020 vision and seeing what's up and what God is doing. But because of that, and because of many other things that I've seen coming to pass and coming together, I felt like the Lord said, prepare. You know that I'm coming. Your whole life you've lived with knowing that I'm coming. And we're, we are closer to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ than we have ever been, not only for our generation, but in history, for the church for the last 2,000 years. So, okay, the Lord gives us the word prepare. And now, after prepare, he says, so I want you to again invite not only your church, but all of your brothers and sisters, let's join with many, many other believers to pray for 40 days of prayer and fasting. So we are given the word prepare, Then, at the beginning of the year, then we begin to pray and fast for 40 days. We're seeking the Lord, and all of us are giving up something, setting something aside, sacrificing something. And during the 40 days, what comes? This virus. Right in the midst of it. So, and we're we're literally walking in the footsteps of the Lord. Amen? We're walking with Him. Uh, We're walking right in line with what He is showing us, what He is saying to us. And this is, I think that God is going to use this to awaken. I mean, people, you know, they they have to look up. You have to call upon the name of the Lord for such a time as this. And it's something that's very interesting as, you know, we just had a few, uh, not that long ago, a few weeks ago was Purim, the feast in the Bible, the story of Esther. And for the feast of Purim, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but that feast which is an appointment, there was a, not only a full moon, but it was a super moon. A super moon uh, is when, you know, because the moon goes around a little bit of an elliptical orbit. Sometimes it's a little further away from planet Earth, and sometimes it reaches its closest, and it goes close, and then it goes far away. A super moon is when the moon is at its closest to the Earth, which I think it means the moon is about... 15% bigger than normal. That's when the moon is like, wow, it's so big and so bright. Not long ago, that was a super moon 
on the Feast of Purim. Well, guess what the next feast is? We're, we're talking about it here in Matthew chapter 26. We're getting ready. We call it Good Friday, but Good Friday was on Passover. Guess what? A second time, right on the divine appointment of Passover, this year is a super moon. The Bible says in Genesis 1.14, God gave the sun and the moon and the stars for signs and seasons. And the word signs in Hebrew means signals. And the word seasons means the feast of the Lord. So it's almost like God's got this big flashlight that he's shining from heaven, highlighting, hey, watch what happens at Purim. And right now, a lot of things are shifting in the world and around the world uh, the enemy, you know, Haman was coming after the people of God. And I feel like we could, we've gone, we're experiencing Purim. The devil's coming after uh, the world and, and he's coming after the people of God. And now we have Passover and it also is a super moon. It's like God is shining a light on this coming Good Friday, Passover, that he is saying, hey, look up, pay attention. For God so loved the world. Here's the story of Passover. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe and trust in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Maranatha Chapel. If you haven't already, please subscribe for weekly messages. Feel free to share this podcast and join us for our weekend services held Saturday evening or Sunday morning. Visit our website at www.maranathachapel.org for more information.